I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of Live Mike, number 110. I am Lee Lonsberry. This is KSL News Radio. 107 is the time. On today's episode, we are going to cover so much ground. We're going to be talking about privacy and a proposal from the Libertas Institute here in Utah. There's a proposal which would install a new member of state government dedicated explicitly to privacy. The proposal includes the creation of a state privacy officer who would oversee data protection. Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? We will get the uh, the source of that idea on the program. Connor Boyack will be my guest just after one thirty-five. Then we're going to be talking to uh, another friend of mine, Dr. Stephen Mobley. He joins us each week, and today we're going to be talking about two things. One was a dramatic revelation just yesterday by President Donald Trump that for the past week and a half at least, he has been taking hydroxychloroquine. The President of the United States has been taking hydroxychloroquine. It's not recommended by the FDA that you and I do that. In fact, there are some risks associated with unprescribed uh, administration of this drug. And yet the president let us know just yesterday that for at least the past week and a half, he daily has been taking this hydroxychloroquine in an effort to defend himself against the coronavirus. What do you think about that? How did that strike you when you heard that news for the first time? I, I want to know what you think. Please send me a text message at 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Throughout the rest of the program, we're going to be covering uh, many other issues related to both the coronavirus and otherwise. But in this first segment, we need to return to a story which broke over the weekend. There was an accusation leveled in the Salt Lake Tribune against a former member of the University of Utah Police Department. The accusation is that this officer was involved in a case dealing with Lauren McCluskey, the late Lauren McCluskey. She lost her life. Before that, she presented some evidence and uh, an explanation of an experience she had had dealing with extortion, extortion revolving around some sensitive photos. She shared those photos with law enforcement, and the accusation is that the officer who first received those photos and that information from Laura McCluskey used them subsequent to having received them in an inappropriate fashion, sharing them with other officers, making jokes. That's the accusation leveled against uh, the officer. By who? Well, we're not sure. There are no names or positions attached to this accusation. Corroborating this uh, story has been difficult, if not impossible. Yesterday there was a press conference where the parents of the late Laura McCluskey appeared with their attorneys 
talking about the reopening of this wound and the lawsuits which are now in mediation and their demands and reaction to these accusations. In just a moment, we'll be speaking to the attorney representing Officer Miguel Deras, who is accused of uh, some behavior. That behavior is described here by the mother of Laura McCluskey. It turns out that the only thing that Officer Deras um, did was download the photos that she provided as evidence to his personal phone for his own enjoyment. That's the accusation. Now we'll hear from the attorney representing this officer, J.C. Jensen of the law firm Nelson Jones, joins me on the line now. Counsel, how are you? I'm doing well today. Thank you for having me, Lee. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. I, uh, it's unfortunate we're chatting under these circumstances. A story which broke so many hearts uh, earlier on is back in the news now and is a difficult topic. Uh, you, sir, are in a difficult position representing someone uh, who has been on the receiving end of some accusations. Uh, let me ask you, what is your client's story with regard to these accusations? Well, and I think it's best to address my client's story by specifically identifying a Courtney Tanner's Salt Lake Tribune article of May 17th, which has given rise to the reason that we're talking at this time. You know, in reviewing that article, we, we found some deliberate misrepresentations that have been made, and I would like to address those in kind. Please. You know, the, the, the first allegation, well, the, the first statement made in that article is that Laura McCluskey, McCluskey explained to the officer at the University of Utah that she was being extorted and that she um, sent copies of the messages and the pictures to the campus police department as evidence. And you know, we acknowledge that Mr. Darris was the, initi was the officer initially assigned to the case, which he turned over to the detective division. I want to point out that the messages and photographs that Ms. McCluskey sent to Mr. Darris were sent to Mr. Darris's department email. Um, the statement in the Tribune continues, when, Mr., when Miguel Darris, one of the officers assigned to her case, received them, he saved the photos on his personal cell phone. Now, this is completely untrue. I point out that historically, and it's still common, the law enforcement officers throughout this state utilize their personal cell phones for multiple department reasons. It can range from signing up for shifts, doing overtime, communicating with the department, and it also can involve where a department has placed the department's email address on that employee's cell phone. In fact, the U of U statements and the article, the Tribune article themselves, acknowledge the fact that there were no proof the photos were saved from his department email to his phone. And that, that's, the, that's the elephant in the room right here, is that he saved them to his personal cell phone, and that's simply untrue. They were sent to his work email address, which was accessible by his cell phone. Um, the our news article, the uh, Tribune article, continues to state that Darris showed off at least one of the images to a male co-worker and bragged about getting to look at them whenever he wanted. Um, and that, again, in 2018, Darris had boasted about having it, and it is identified as the photos. Again, this is completely untrue. Mr. Jensen, I, I need to take a I need to take a quick commercial break. Can I ask you to hang on the line and can we continue this conversation after the break? 
Absolutely. Outstanding. We're speaking with J.C. Jensen uh, from the law firm Nelson Jones, representing Officer Darris in this case where he is accused of inappropriately sharing photos of the late Lauren McCluskey. His attorney is explaining his side of the story. That conversation will continue after the break here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, this is Live Mike. We are continuing our conversation with J.C. Jensen, the attorney representing Officer Miguel Darris. Mr. Jensen is of the law firm Nelson Jones, and we're discussing some of the accusations leveled against his client. The story, in quick summary, is that Officer Miguel Darris, formerly a member of the University of Utah Police Department, was involved at some stage in a case presented to the department by Lauren McCluskey before her murder, a case involving some sensitive photographs and some extortion, extortion attempts against her. And in the midst of that, uh, there have come, in the form of a news article published on Sunday, some accusations against the the former officer of the University of Utah. Mr. Jensen, let's pick up where we left off, specifically about the sharing of of these photos. Thank you, Lee. And, you know, I I was addressing the portion of the article that that talked about Darius showing off the images and boasting about having them. Uh, Again, this is untrue, other than two unidentified either current or former university employees, there are no statements and there is no evidence that confirms Mr. Darris bragged or boasted about anything. You know, to, to further address this issue, I refer to the KSL article of May 17th, the evening of May 17th, that provides a statement from the University of Utah which contradicts the Tribune and states in pertinent part, quote, on Sunday evening, the University of Utah released a statement saying campus police completed an internal affairs investigation in February when they were alerted to these allegations and found no evidence that Darris had shared or bragged about any photo from the 2018 investigation that wasn't considered a legitimate law enforcement reason. Now, have this you, was sir- based on interviews with multiple officers who would have been present at briefings during this time period. Have you, sir, had communication with the university since the accusations on Sunday and gotten that information directly uh, from them yourself, that in the university's uh, investigation that they, to date, have found no evidence of the accusations against your client? I have not contacted the U directly, no. 
Let me ask you this. There is, uh, there is some damage to the, the character of your client. Should these allegations, uh, the ones that appeared in the newspaper on Sunday, the Salt Lake Tribune, prove uh, to be false, if you are able to, uh, to prove that, uh, there is some damage, again, sustained by your client, or to your client, rather. Would you, are, are there considerations about uh, action being taken by your client? That's nothing that I've addressed with my client at this time. And I want to point out that it's not only my client who's who's suffering in this. It's also my client's department, as well as the McCluskeys. You know, had the proper information and facts been attained and portrayed in the Salt Lake Tribune article, I don't think we would be here today. It seems that the the press conference that was called yesterday was in direct response to the article of Sunday. Yes, yes, it is. As has the continued news articles that have come after the Tribune's um, May seventeenth article. Yeah, you know, and I understand how somebody would read the article, and at the conclusion of their initial reading, they may feel frustrated or angered. But what I ask is to people take a step back and look at the article and find the discrepancies within the article, because the article itself contains problems specific to the allegations. I point out in the article where the court where Ms. Tanner states the youth spoke to the officer who was shown the picture by Darris and verified the action with him. Now, this statement is deliberately misleading. It is not uncommon for individuals in Mr. Darris's shoes, that being an officer with a few years of experience, as part of an investigation to discuss the case and case-related actions with either senior officers or supervisors. This is typically done to receive guidance, and it was done in this case for that specific purpose. Yeah, and I, I want to address one more, and this this is rather damning for the drafter of the article, where in the article it says, in July 2019, the U conducted a download of Darris's cell phone to collect any data related to the McCluskey case. Darris said he was asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement about the download, and it was done late one night, according to the officer interviewed by the Tribune about Darris's conduct. The officer said that after the July 2019 download, as Darris was awaiting the results, Darris spoke to him during a shift about the agreement and said he was concerned about what would be found on his phone. The phone download took 12 hours, though it typically takes one or two. Now, the fact that Mr. Darris provided his personal cell phone without any orders or subpoena flies in the face of this claim. Furthermore, I point out that nothing, absolutely nothing, was found on Mr. Darris's phone that would support these allegations. This proved by the article's own statement that there were 183,433 artifacts downloaded from Mr. Darris's phone, not a single one of which contained any information related to Ms. Kluski. You know, as far as any concern Mr. Darris had about his phone, the only concern was that he did not have his phone. And I presume the majority of us would feel uneasy without having our own phones for 12 hours. Yeah. You know, if one were to really dive into this article, they would realize that there is not even a scintilla of physical evidence to support the allegations.
We're speaking with J.C. Jensen of the initial investigation conducted by the University of Utah. I'm sorry, conducted by right. an independent body where these allegations find no support. There was also a second investigation conducted by the University of Utah where the allegations not only find no support, but where those who participated in the allegations directly contradict the allegations against Mr. Darris. Yeah. We're speaking with J.C. Jensen of the law firm Nelson Jones, who's representing Officer Miguel Darris, uh, currently with the Logan Police Department. Uh, Mr. Jensen, it's been announced by the Logan Police Department that they are investigating these claims. What is the relationship right now between Officer Darris and the Logan Police Department? Is he still on the, the payroll? Is he still on the beat? What's going on right now? Um, my understanding is that he's still working for the Logan City Police Department. You know, they they take this, took the stance, and I applaud their stance of, of not diving in and biting off on the Tribune's article, but rather taking a step back, doing their own investigation, finding what the facts truly are, after which they'll decide what to do, if anything. Hmm. And, I, and I also appreciate your comments at the outset of this interview, Lee, where you indicated that these were accusations and that there has been no cooperation. Is Officer Darris a family man, married, have children? I can't comment on any of that. Fair enough. Uh, that's going to do it. Mr. Jensen, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, representing your client here on this program and sharing with us the, uh, the story as you are experiencing it and as your client is experiencing it. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Lou. Thank you for giving him a voice. Of course. We're going to take a break in a few minutes. When we come back, we're going to be speaking with Connor Boyack, who's the president of uh, Libertas Institute. He has a, a proposal. He'd like to see something called the Privacy Protection Act take effect here in the state of Utah. That would create a new office dealing with privacy. Looking forward to that conversation. But uh, uh, regarding the conversation which has taken place here on this program over the past half hour, it's a difficult one to have. Uh, and I do it in the spirit of being thorough. I do it in the spirit of making sure that when there are accusations, that we vet them thoroughly. That when a certain attitude or understanding, collective understanding, starts to arise uh, across this state, I want to make sure uh, that we have a proper understanding. And this story is, of course, so delicate, and it's heartbreaking at every turn. Uh, at the root of it, there is a young woman who lost her life. There are parents who lost their daughter, and it breaks your heart. But it doesn't take away from the need to get it right and to get all the details right, because sometimes when you get the details wrong, uh, other lives can be lost and ruined, and it would be uh, a heartbreak if that were the case. I am not qualified, nor am I prepared to render a verdict on all this. I simply want to provide a platform for the whole story to be told, and that explains the conversation we've had over the past half hour here on this program. Quick break. We're going to get some news when we come back. We're talking about privacy protection. Should there be a new officer in the state of Utah dedicated specifically to privacy and your privacy specifically. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.